That's right, friends. Welcome back to Comics Exchange, your friendly neighborhood podcast. This is going to be our romantic episode for Valentine's Day. Love is in the air. That's right. I am Mike D, and the D stands for Dr. Love. To my left, we have Ryan the Rose Shipley. Oh, I like it. We have the Cupid of Knoxville's comic shops, Mr. Bill Langford. I got my bow and arrow here. I thought you were more like the candy striper of heavy petting. <laughs> Don't pay attention to the diaper I'm wearing. <laughs> Wait, whose voice was that? That was our guest. A guest? returning guest, Fred Two-Timer Daily. Oh. I can't help it. I got lots of love for the comics. <laughs> you're such a bad boy. You're so aloof. <laughs> the bad boy of my you, you guys can't tell, but the collar is up and the fingers are pointing. <laughs> oh. The sexiest episode ever. <laughs> just gave you Unfortunately, this is not episode 69. Oh. <laughs> um... <laughs> Bill? Let's have the bass breakdown. <laughs> First off, happy birthday. Ah, I appreciate of course, that. yes. Yeah. Birthday happy birthday. birthday. Aquarius, yeah. man. What, what can I say? What did you end up doing for your birthday? Uh, I worked here at the store. <laughs> yeah, I know, because I called. Yeah. And I was yeah. mad at you. I think I, I gave you a lash. Hold on oh. a second. Hold on. That's a terrible whoa, birthday. Whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, I told you this is the sexiest episode. <laughs> what kind of episode is this going to be? <laughs> yeah. but, he pulled I mean, out the cat of nine tails. He did. Yeah. But I'm just saying right now, every day working at the Comics Exchange is a gift. That's what he it said. Is, it is. It's like a birthday every day. So when you had your weekend off, what yes. did you end up doing? Um, so the girls and I, I think we went. So I took Coraline to see a movie. Uh, okay. Night Swim. Oh, Night Swim? The it's one a, about the haunted pool. The haunted pool. So how terrifying can that really be? Because all you got to do is not go in the pool, right? Yeah, yeah. And at first, I thought the pool only, effect, only uh, the spirits only came out at night. So yeah. As long as I swim in the pool in the day, I'm yeah. good, hold, right? Hold, hold on a second. So the whole premise of this movie is if you get in the pool at night, that's no. when you're going to see the monster. That's when you're going to yeah. see the monster. Huh. But then halfway through the movie, they change the rules, oh. and the monster shows up in the middle of the day in the pool. So, so, But it's still just in the pool. Even though it's a day swim, the movie's called Night Swim. But apparently, yeah, the pool is uh, it's been built over a natural spring that back in the day the Indians used to uh, uh, like a healing spring, and it'll heal you. So it's like Poltergeist, but there's a price to pay. So oh, it's like yeah. Poltergeist or Amityville yeah. Horror, where they built okay. a house. So on it's, the, it's so it's it's the horror version of Cocoon. Yeah, yeah, kind of a little cocoonish, but without the Wilfred Brimley. Now, why did Baby? Because Baby Ninjas became a horror fiction. Aficionado. Yes, thank you. <laughs> you learned your Italian. I thought you were doing Duolingo. Pizza. Pizza. Um, but she did she like it? So she gave it uh, eight and a half bathtubs out of ten. Wow. Nice. Yeah. So, and you? Um, I rated it a seven and a half, but I'm a much harsher critic. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. you know, you got to keep in mind, I've seen a lot more horror films than she has. Like her horror film, you know, she's basing it off seeing like 48 meters below and like these weird kind of newer horror films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so is this one maybe directed mm-hmm. a little more towards a younger crowd, teenager, 20s kind of crowd? It clocks in about 93 minutes, really short. Mm-hmm. I, can uh, just ima- I can just imagine the script. <laughs> Like, oh no, we've got to go swimming at night. But the <laughs> monsters are in there. Jessica, shut up. Yeah. Get in there. <laughs> See, I don't even, I don't swim, so I would be safe in this movie. Mm, mm, well, mm. and the issue was, uh, and I enjoyed the movie thoroughly, but we went to see it in the theater, and the, the theater right next to us apparently was Mean Girls, because uh, you could hear the music oh. playing. So, because you're, oh, you're, you're in a movie where it's really quiet, right? Because yeah, they're yeah, trying yeah. to scare you. Yep. But uh, the problem is, is that the walls are real thin, and you could hear the, uh, the Mean Girls next door. And it kind of takes you out of the movie. You should probably pay the extra dollar fifty and go to the theater with actual walls, mm. and it's not just a curtain pulled yeah, between two yeah. screens. Well, it yeah. was only shown at the theater and halls. Oh. No, no offense to the theater and halls. <laughs> Hall Cinema Seven. Halls. If you know, was, you know. It, so it was only the halls or Oak Ridge. Were oh yeah, because it's on video on demand now. So I, I wasn't driving to Oak Ridge. Been, that should have been your first clue. <laughs> so, <laughs> so okay, so you saw Night Swim with Baby Ninja. So saw Night Swim. Um, 
But yeah, yeah, we uh, they made me a, a birthday dinner, uh, so I oh. went home. Um, I had some uh, some delicious uh, tater tots and pizza rolls out of the <laughs> nice <laughs> the air fryer. Um, air so, fryers yeah. are change the game, don't they? I tell you, that ninja. Yep. That ninja is incredible. So the baby yeah. ninja used the ninja. She's very Ooh. good with the ninja. She okay. is. Um, but no, it was a, it was a wonderful birthday. Uh, I'm looking forward to many, many more. Yeah. One other thing we got to talk about, Bill, mm-hmm. is we got to do something about the seating seating arrangement. Well, so what do you mean? You and me have really comfortable seats, right? Got the, I got, yeah, you got the gamer chair. Mike's got a folding chair, which I, I got think the he appreciates chair. because yeah. he's a wrestler. Somebody act well, up, they're going to get it. Yeah, if something breaks out, Mike Scott can hit him with a, a chair shot. And, right? and for people listening at home, our poor guest is in. Right. Is this really a chair? <laughs> it has no back. What are you trying to say? Was it, At one point, did this chair have a back? Or is it always just been? No, we broke this chair years about, ago. <laughs> the, the chair Fred's sitting in? Yes. So it's a, it's one of those little wheelie chairs, like I guess what would you call it? like a mechanics chair almost, where you the yeah 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 where uh, you can sit in and no, there's it, no it, back. It, it, it had a back. It's cushioned. That one didn't have a back. It had a back. I, I don't think so. I think I it think came so. like I that. Think, well, you know, we're just gonna have to agree to disagree. <laughs> Plus, Man. I like it because I have this like freedom and I oh, can spin. swivel. Yeah. There you go. Okay. So like I can like spin over here and you know Boom. fight everybody here. Yeah. Oh. So and then, when this turns into the wrestling episode, yeah. We're good to go. He's got the yeah. chair, and I've got positioning. This. There we go. And then, if we have a guest, mm-hmm. last week, Sid's wife, Lauren, hung out with us. We stuck her on a stepladder. <laughs> <laughs> so we don't have chairs for our audience yet. Hold, hold on a second. You you stuck a guest on a stepladder? Not a guest, so, a, an audience member. Audience member. member. <laughs> yeah. You know, we have the applause sign, but we do not have uh, bleachers yet for our audience. Is we the applause sign that piece of cardboard that you've cruelly <laughs> scrolled in Sharpie? Again. Hold it up again. See there? Everybody, hi. <laughs> oh, yeah. That, that's what that was. I All thought right. it said applesauce. I didn't know what that was. <laughs> hey, anybody listening, uh, we could use a chair sponsorship, so if you're part of a chair <laughs> yes. company, uh, hook us Lazy up Lazy boy, that. you <laughs> could be here. Yes, you could be right here. The we'll, Comics Exchange, sponsored by Lazy we'll Boy. We'll promote you every episode. We'll give you a free spot. Ryan will talk about what you've done for his lumbar support. Yeah. I love this. I love my lumbar right now. <laughs> See, now we're back to being romantic. Yeah. Mm. The lumbar. Lumbar. <laughs> so we got sexy news? Sexy news. Oh, Break yeah. it down. Oh, yeah. I mean, we got to start with the Deadpool trailer, don't we? That's that's the breaking news as far as I'm concerned. That's, that's just uh, massive. I watched it like five times. Well, I got confused because when I watched the Super Bowl and I saw mm. the teaser trailer, I thought that was the only trailer they, they like released. Like the, the quick 60-second trailer? The quick 30-second, 60-second yeah, yeah, yeah. trailer. And then tonight, Mike showed me the full-length trailer. And which, I got I gotta say, perfecto. Which actually yes. explains one thing to me. Mm-hmm. Bill does not look at his social media because <laughs> no. I posted the full trailer. Huh? Twenty seconds after it aired you on the did Super Bowl. Not. I did. No. Yeah. Okay, I, I'm gonna have to go back and check. I'm sorry. Ryan. So um, so in the trailer, did anybody uh-huh. so I thought at one point that I saw Doctor Doom and I got super excited. It does but I look think similar. it's just an a, just an armored guy, right? With a gun. Yeah, if you I've seen people zoom it in, um, he does have the cloak and there's a mask, but otherwise it looks like he's from Mad Max, not Dr. Doom. Like there's no really shiny armor. The mask does not look like Doom's at all, but he does have the hood pulled over the mask. Yeah. So, and, and for people that are worried if it was mm-hmm. going to be PG-13 Marvel, no. there's a pegging joke. Like <laughs> right, off the the bat. right off the bat. Right off the bat. Right off the bat. No, it's, and I guess it's this, was this movie, is it, DC, is it technically, is it Disney or is it uh, Fox? It's, it's Disney, Disney now it's Disney. because I think he makes a lot of comments towards but, Marvel Jesus. Yes, because uh, I heard a Disney joke and I heard a Marvel joke, so I'm assuming Disney signed off on this. Yeah. Okay. I just thought it was cool you got to see Pyro again. Yeah, that was cool. Oh, yeah. Cameo. And um, was that a Cassandra Nova we see from behind? Or is it Professor X? It could be either. 
a lot of people are theorizing Cassandra Nova. They've, mm. they've been pulling that for a while now. Yeah, that's been rumored from long before the show. We didn't see Taylor we're talking about We're that's talking about true. behind her head, though, right? Yes, yeah, so yeah. you just see a bald you character. See, you see the yeah, collar popped I wouldn't know up. what Cassandra Nova looked like. Female Xavier, but kind of haggard. No, I was talking about specifically from behind. <laughs> Sexy episode. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is like comic exchange after dark. There, there was a cool uh, a Secret Wars little Easter mm-hmm. egg, too. Mm-hmm. We're near the end where Deadpool is laying there and uh, Wolverine's shadow shows. What? A... Wolverine's in this movie? Yes. God. <laughs> it's the Spoilers, title. Ryan. Spoilers. It's the official title, Deadpool and Wolverine. Yes, oh, love it. it. I love it. The name of the movie. And, and by the way, watching Ryan Reynolds and Hugh Jackman play off each other on socials, it's just chef's kiss. No, the comedic timing is definitely there. Yeah. Uh, the, the, I think this is maybe has the potential to be the best of the three Deadpool films. I think this is going to be the but in all seriousness, yeah. be serious for half a second. Yeah. I think Marvel needs this movie to not only do good, mm-hmm. great, which mm-hmm. it should, but I think they need it to do gangbusters. I think it yeah. will. I, I think it's going to do well. Because I understand there is that narrative out there right now, mm-hmm. which in my opinion is a little bit of a false narrative because Marvel did release three good, two great movies and one good movie. So Guardians um, three, Guardians three, Love and it. Um, fantastic, and Marvels actually was fun. Okay, now streaming on Disney Plus and Loki season two because they're oh, contractually yeah. obligated now, for it too. Did they have <laughs> some bad stuff? Yeah, Secret Invasion was horrible. Echo was not yeah. much better. Echo was not good either, and Ant Man was there. <laughs> yeah, I liked it for about thirty minutes, and then from then on, progressively, like every fifteen minutes, I was like, mm. it yeah. was essentially mm. what all it seemed like. Somebody said, AI, here's all the Marvel movies, make us one. Right. And that's, that's what Ant-Man 3 was. I did enjoy the extended Michelle Pfeiffer. But I do think I parts uh, of it. a Deadpool uh, 3 trailer is the most viewed trailer of all time in its first 24 hours. Dang! With 365 million views, 10 million more than No Way Home. Wow. wow. In the first 24 hours. And, you know, uh, Comics Exchange social media page, probably at least 40 of those. Easily 45 <laughs> views. You're welcome. Now, yeah. do you think a lot of that could be because the football trailer, the Super Bowl trailer, uh, directed people to see that full version I online? Think, I don't. Th- I think that probably played a role, but I think if you get right down to it, I think people are so starved right now for the next big superhero movie because mm. it has been a drought. I mean, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to be nasty about it, but Guardians Three, I'll give you, this is the movie people yeah. are excited right. about. Yep. So I think you're going to see a lot of fans come back to it. My only concern about the release of the movie is you know it's going to be at least PG-13. Probably it could even possibly be no, I think they're going oh, to it's, def- it's, it's R. R. It's yeah. definitely so R. So there's, there's going to be a section of their audience that has that has funneled uh, money into the previous films and yeah. it's not going to be able to go see this one. Unless but you got to think, too, uh, the first Marvel movie came out in 2008, right? So a lot of the people that were kids at that point that were at that point uh, got into yeah. the Marvel movies are now going to be of age. Um, and you're right, a lot of times R-rated movies don't do as well. Right. Oppenheimer kind of broke that mold this year. Uh, what, almost, yeah. But did you see a lot of 13-year-olds sitting in Oppenheimer? No, but, I mean, it still made money. Maybe the Barbenheimers yeah. were 13. Well, now, and Deadpool 1 and 2 were also hard R. Well, so it yeah. depends on your theater, too. I don't necessarily remember the last time theaters were like particularly hard-nosed about, let me see your ID to get into this yeah, movie. Yeah, Some right. of them just don't care. It's I just, a 16-year-old I, kid. Like, go on in. I just, I just honestly hope that Halls at least starts both <laughs> both showings at the same time, so when Bill's taking when Bill's watching it, yeah. you can hear Sonic kind of, it'll be synced yeah. up through the curtain. Be perfect. Can you imagine seeing a movie at Halls when that Taylor Swift movie was playing? You oh. wouldn't be able to hear anything but Taylor Swift. <laughs> and then all the people singing along in the theater. <laughs> Dressed up, dancing. But I think it's going to be interesting, too, because like a lot of people now, 
days do wait for streaming. Right. Because they sell like Marvel, the Marvel's Bond. The Marvel's was the lowest rating movie, uh, money-making movie that Marvel's had. Really? Yeah. Okay. But if you look at movies that came out in November, Mm -hmm. it made almost as much money as any other movie that came out that month. Right. It's just a lot of people now, I think, are waiting for streaming. Hold on a second. Mm. It's a good segue you brought up there, because talking about bombs... Madam Web is released uh, oh. tonight, and I think, and I think right now, let's be honest, the cast of the Marvels, fingers crossed, are sitting there going, "Suck for us, just go down hard." <laughs> yeah, and it's going to. Um, one headline I said, saw said it's worse than Morbius. It's just that's a, a bold statement. Just a weird choice for a movie. I like I, that's a let's weird make a, let's take a Spider-Man had, character who is the worst. <laughs> Well, and the movies my, don't even like Madam Web. And they actually did the whole annoying thing they did with Destiny mm-hmm. in uh, the X-Men, the Krakoa age. Now, right. they de-aged her and made her sexy. Mm-hmm. It's like, we can't have like an old an old uh, superhero. I mean, Aunt May was Marissa Tomei, right? <laughs> I she mean, that's Aunt May. She gets progressively younger in each one of those Better movies. looking as she go along. It goes yes. from Rosemary Harris to Sally Field to, to Marissa Tomei. Yeah. Maybe she's a mutant. But and, uh, uh, So, you know, we're not going to do a, a, a giveaway here universe. to go see Madam Web because we love our listeners. Well, so my understanding was is that the reason Sony does this is because the way the contract was written for the licensing for Spider-Man was they're only allowed X number of Spider-Man films. However, they have access to the Spider-Man library of characters that yep. they can do any number of films. And just think, if you really enjoy this one, you've got Craven to look forward to. Uh, hopefully, we're going to get a Robbie Robertson, the movie. Uh, and and my favorite, my favorite headline about Madam Web so far mm-hmm. I've heard is prepare to see the movie that's going to make Blade 3 look like an Academy Award winner. Oh, <laughs> It's so good too. And so D- Dakota Johnson, the lead actress, mm-hmm. and has already kind of been just crapping all over kind the Kind of movie, disavowing like, the movie, right? On just... her press. Because, you know, usually they're in a press tour. They're right. all hyped up going, this is the best movie ever. You're going to love it. Mm-hmm. Even if they know it's a turd. Right. <laughs> but think about it. I mean, that, that's one of those that's like, well, the check cleared. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm in the Sam Jackson Club now. Did that check clear? Yeah, I did the movie. Now, with Madam Web, can it also be a deal where they, uh, I know that copyright can be like that sometimes. They have to make a Spider-Man movie every certain amount of years or they'll lose it. Is that maybe part of it, too? They I had to put probably, one out? That's got to yep. be part of it. Yeah. yeah, there could be something like that. Just some some way that they the rights can revert back to Disney mm-hmm. and they're trying to keep the rights as long as they Madam can. Madam Web movie's been in, been in production I mean, for a few years. It was years, for a while. Right? It yeah. definitely got mm-hmm. delayed last year because of all the, the strikes. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, that, they, there was that part, but I mean, it was even production before that. I mean, I think, I mean, I think, like you said, there is a contract obligation if they don't, if they want to keep Spider-Man rights, they've mm-hmm. got to be producing Spider-Man movies. But due to the new structure with Disney, only Disney gets to make those Spider-Man movies. Uh, I think they yeah. signed an extension. Or maybe in contract. conjunction with. It, it's just really mm-hmm. weird because if you look at Sony's live-action output, it's not been the best. The Venom movies are at least a little bit enjoyable. But like the uh, the animated the Spider Verse movies mm-hmm. killed it are phenomenal, but for some reason Sony just cannot like you mentioned earlier before we start recording. Madam Web feels like a two thousand and three superhero movie. So I I did read that from a review. They said it and not in a way that it's a period piece. It just feels like it came out in two thousand three. Yeah. Not a compliment. Mm. I think they're just really like betting on hey the Spider Man fans are going to come watch this, but the Spider Man fans seem to be a little smarter than that. They know. Right. What's Spider-Man by way of Marvel and what's Spider-Man by way of Sony? Well, I mean, think about it. You're advertising a movie. Look, we're Spider-Man adjacent. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Barely. Yeah. yeah. They, need a Kevin Feige. they need a Kevin Feige over there big time at Sony. 
We also did get some great news. Marvel and DC mm-hmm. are actually going to republish all of their team-ups in two big omnibus editions coming out this August. So which we have uh, we have the Amalgams, right? The, uh, yep. the Amalgam Universe. I kind of wish they would uh, include the George Perez Justice League Avengers, but I understand oh, why. Yeah. Are they not going to republish the stuff from the 70s, the original crossovers? No, they are. Uh, it looks gonna like it's going to include um, uh, Superman versus Spider-Man from 1976. Superman Ooh. versus the Amazing Spider-Man, That's all the way one. up to the 2000s huh. Batman Daredevil. Now, nice. I'm going to say this: it's going to be really. First off, I never thought we would see this again mm-hmm. because yeah. uh, the House of Mouse does not play well with others usually. Yep. Um, but the fact that you're going to get to see some of these classic comics: uh, Superman, Spider-Man, right. Batman, Hulk. Yep. Um, yep. Those are those are books that have been out of print forever. I mean, I think I've I've Bill. I think you showed me uh, Batman Hulk. You had a Treasure. really trashed copy of it come in and we were right. like ooh because just it's a rarity so basically oh uh, Teen Titans uh, uh, X-Men. X-Men with mm-hmm. Walt Simonson yeah. <laughs> the Amalgam one for people that didn't know it was like where they would merge two heroes so you had like Dark Claw which was Batman and Wolverine Super Soldier which was Spider-Man and Captain America Spider-Boy Superman and Captain yeah. America the uh, original Superman Spider-Boy which was yep. awesome uh, Iron Lantern Iron Man and Wonder Woman weirdly enough no Green Lantern yeah. <laughs> and it's good that one that had was Iron uh, Lantern Peter yeah. David, Dan Jurgens, Mark Mark Wade, mm-hmm. Ron Mar- Ron Mars, uh, just a ton of heavy hitters. Well, those are all the who's who's writers of the '90s, pretty yeah. much. That and, was like a last. That was kind of like a, a gasp right there because it was right following the bubble burst of mm-hmm. the of the early '90s, and that was like Marvel and DC going for it, trying to get people to come back. And I remember at the time, yeah. those books were huge. They absolutely were. Yeah. So the and, only thing we're not getting, and hopefully, it's because they're going to republish this in a much larger printing later on mm-hmm. is the JLA Avengers. Yeah, yeah. They did a reprinting, I think, after Perez when he was sick, uh, right before he passed. That was a 7,500 uh, limited run, wasn't it? A graphic novel, yeah. yeah. But no, it's... Uh, and, and, and the cool thing about the Marvel vs. DC is when it came out, the fans voted. So they had it set up to where the fans could decide who won between Superman Hulk, who won between mm-hmm. Wolverine and Lobo, who won between Wonder Woman and Storm. And sometimes the fan voting was was accurate, and sometimes you're kind of wondering, you're like, I, I don't yeah. know how they. I just remember one of my favorite scenes in that whole thing being, because mm-hmm. uh, this was now remember this is '90s, so this is Tank Top Thor. Yep. Mm-hmm. And Wonder Woman just ta- casually tosses him his hammer because you dropped this. And I just remember thinking <laughs> at the time that that was just great. It's a, yeah, it's a great scene. But yeah, but the other one we're gonna get uh, Batman, Captain America, Batman, yeah. Daredevil, Batman, Punisher, Batman, Spider Man, Daredevil, Batman. Dark Side versus Galactus, yeah. Green Lantern, Silver Surfer, which is for reason some reason called Unholy Alliances, uh, <laughs> Incredible Hulk versus Superman, X Men and the New Teen Titans, mm-hmm. Punisher, Batman, yeah. just a ton Daredevil, of good stuff. Was there a Daredevil Batman too? Yep, yeah, uh, Silver Surfer, Superman, Spider Man, and Batman. Um, and they said, uh, I think so. Lee Weeks drew it. I think. I think it's no, right. not Lee Weeks. Um, Scott McDaniel. McDaniel. Mm-hmm. There were some people that had uh, asking questions. So the clarification. DC's special series number 27 is the Batman Hulk Treasury, and Marvel Treasury Edition uh, number 28 is the second Superman Spider-Man Treasury. Okay. And both are listed in this. So I'd imagine with these being omnibuses, mm-hmm. is it better people want to make sure they get it, that they kind of pre-order in advance? Um, yeah, only because they're so expensive. Uh, they're like $100 a piece. Yeah. That I don't really order a lot for the rack. You know, I may have one or two in the store that are unaccounted for, but most people pre-order those. But the hey, the time. fact that Marvel and DC are talking again on Valentine's Day, they're Look talking. There. Oh, yes, yeah. anything's um, possible. Yeah, I'm excited because, like, for people that did not, like, people that did not grow up during the time where Marvel and DC would work, they used to have like um, 
little softball sport, games, softball games yep. against mm-hmm. each other. That's not happened for a very long time. So what happened was this was back when those two companies were a lot smaller and they could yep. get away with that. Once they became owned subsidiaries of Disney and Time Warner, those companies did not play well together. Yep. So it changed. But the fact this is happening is just mm-hmm. great for the it consumer. Is. It is. And it's great for people who haven't had a chance because what happens is these books go out of print because these two companies don't play well with each other. So they can't agree to uh, how to split profits to put it into a trade paperback or a hardback. So it's very rare that you have a chance to read these. I was going to say the one thing I'll add is if you have any interest in reading these stories or having access to these stories, take advantage of it now because who knows how long it's going to take mm-hmm. for the planets to realign for them to yeah. do a, a reprinting. Yeah, that's true. And, and hopefully let, the printing will be more than what was for the JLA Avengers George Perez thing. Yeah, like I said, they would have, they could have printed more and they they knew that they would sell out the 7500, but it was done mostly as a charity benefit thing for Perez's family. Yep. Mike. Uh, let me ask this about the the omnibuses. I'm not really flipped through one. Uh, what's the internal quality like? What's the page quality like? It's the fantastic. To charge, yeah, to charge because to charge someone 125, 150 bucks, you know, the binding needs to be nice. Mm-hmm. The hardback needs to be good quality. The pages are like the real thick um, the gauge paper. Um, glossy well, they've stock. actually changed that though. Okay, on the new ones. Yeah, because like when DC does those Silver Age, they mm-hmm. I noticed they went to a thinner quality paper. Um, but the the main thing about the omnibuses. Um, this is going to sound silly. If you mm-hmm. buy an omnibus, go online. There's people who will show you how to open them. You've got to be careful with those spines the first time because oh. when they come through the printing process, the ink on the pages when they're slammed together, can mm-hmm. they're actually still so wet they can dry together. Oh, wow. oh wow. So be yeah. real careful when you open it the first time. But once you once you get through that first uh, scary scary moment, uh-huh. I hate to put it that way, you'll you'll be in, in happy land. Mm-hmm. And if there's like a story, like if you're listening, you're like, um, if you want to treat yourself to one, I know like. Free Comic Day, we usually have great deals on the omnibuses. Mm-hmm. But if you're like a character and want to read like a full story or a full run of a creator, they're the best way to do it because uh, you get all the extra stuff they add into the back. Like sometimes they'll do interviews with mm-hmm. the creators of like they, they they did the four omnibuses to do Peter David's Hulk run, four or five, Man, and each five one in the back had like a one on one with Peter David discussing the thought process through that era of the Hulk. One of the best runs of Hulk ever. Yep. Mm. Yeah, omnibuses are, are really cool. They're, they're. I think they are expensive, but they're worth it. And they look pretty on a bookshelf. Well, they if you break, do. if you break, if you break down the cost mm-hmm. per oh, issue, yeah. and yeah. I mean, because I mean, you think about it, it's the cheapest way to get reprints in some yeah. cases. Because you're getting 40, 50 comics in one omnibus. Yeah. Uh, let's see. What else we got here? Space Ghost is coming out with a new book in May, writing the uh, nostalgic wave of Thundercats and Transformers, G.I. Joe, and what have you. Do they have a creative team for it? I don't think a creative team has been announced, but it looks like it may be more of a, a serious take and not a tongue-in-cheek Oh, take. they're not doing the comedy cent- uh, Don't well, Swim. And I'll tell you, the, that last one they did with Alex Ross covers... That was a serious take on Space Ghost. Uh, hmm. Yeah. That was um, the sixth uh, uh, issue. Oliver Olivetti yes. did the artwork oh, in nice. it. Oh, and wow. You, and you find, the, you find the whole story. You find out... His origin uh, story. His wife gets killed. He's the last member of a, a police force. Mm-hmm. He's crash landed on this planet. He finds these two kids, Jason and Jaina. Yep. He's trying to protect them. And it talks about how he goes from being a man who's just consumed with revenge to becoming a man who decides to stand for justice. Oh, wow. And he hides behind that uniform and he protects those kids. And you know you get a space monkey eventually, so yeah, you can't there you beat go. That. I mean, uh, yeah. If check that check that miniseries out. I know you can get it digitally. You can also come here at the Comic Exchange mm-hmm. back issues. But yes. there was also 
another take on that that DC did, which had uh, some great artwork. Doc Shaner drew it. Future Quest. Oh, they brought back all the Hanna-Barbera cartoon characters and oh, brought them into yeah. the DC universe. I about that. And I don't know what happened to that lasting deal, but yeah, check out Future Quest. Check mm-hmm. out that original Space Ghost series. Right. Uh, go online and just look for Alex Ross Space Ghost, and you mm-hmm. can see some of the covers, and they will blow your mind. Phenomenal. Who's uh, publishing it? Uh, Dynamite. And actually, I take it back. Uh, mm-hmm. The series came up in May, like I announced. It's by uh, David Popose and Jonathan Lau. Oh, David's okay. actually really, yeah. And it's called The Ghost Rises. Uh, oh, yeah. So are all the characters in Coast to Coast part of the Space Ghost? Like, yes. yes. Brack and... I think I'd, it'd be cool to see like a I've more serious. The, I've got the original uh, when they when they released those collections. Right. I, I bought them because I grew up uh, watching the reruns of that, and then there was Saturday Morning Space Stars. Mm-hmm. Remember that one? I do. That was yeah. like they brought like three different characters back. The Herculoids were also part of that universe. Yeah, I think they were all done by Alex Toth, right? Alex Toth did all the character designs yeah. for him at the time, yeah. and then uh, you know, funny famous story is. He did the character designs for the three primary characters on Thunder of the Barbarian. Mm-hmm. And then he got mad because Alex Toth used to just get mad. And uh, Jack Kirby comes in and designs everything else. So you've got these really streamlined character designs for Thundar, Ariel, Princess Ariel, and Ookla. Ookla. And then you've got Jack Kirby big blocky designs for everything else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which actually worked. Did you ever hear about the meeting between Toth and Kirby? Mm-mm. So Toth, who's recognized as this great illustrator, Kirby, who's a legend in comics, they... Uh, they schedule a meeting. Uh, Ross Kirby set it up, and he goes over there and sits down. I uh, have out. They have Alex Toth over to their house, and Jack Kirby's prepared to really talk comics and, and discuss things. And uh, Ross brings out a sandwich. Toth just sits there and listens to him talk. Ha- eats the sandwich, drinks the drink, and goes, "I have no idea what you were talking about, but this was fun." Gets up and walks away. <laughs> wow, that's oh, that's amazing. Yeah, we should all be so lucky. You Hopefully, should, you should read. You should read some of the things like Bruce Tim talked about how him and Toth were. He was. Toth was really happy with him on Batman the Animated Series and then he goes then we did an episode and he saw it and he's like I hate you and you suck and that was just (laughs) it he's like he got these great letters with him criticizing everything I've ever done he goes I treasure those (laughs) that's amazing I wonder if uh, Dynamite if they had the Space Ghost Mm. license if they'll reprint some of the old classic stories too Mm, because I I know um, Skybound is going to be reprinting old Transformers books. Mm. They're, and G.I. Joe, too. I think they're going to start doing How uh, are they going to reprint those? Uh, like, issue three of the original Transformers series, uh, mm-hmm. Spider-Man. That's true. Because IDW at different points. They're just going to they Photoshop it, Spider-Man out of it. <laughs> so, it's arachnid. Didn't they kind of do that in the Invincible episode of the cartoon where <clears throat> Invincible goes and meets Spider-Man in the comic book? But I think in the cartoon, you just see, like, Spider-Man's webbed hand. Oh, okay. It's a nice touch. Like yeah, it kind of lets you get... I forgot that Spider-Man teamed up with the Transformers. In the black costume. Hey, do you know who was a writer on the original Space Ghost Coast to Coast? An indie comic writer? Anybody? Throwing it out there? Evan Dorkin. Boom. Nailed it. Yeah. Good job. I like Space on Ghost. On the original Coast. Space Ghost? Not the original. Coast to Coast. Uh, Coast to Coast. Oh, yeah. Coast to yeah. Coast. I was like, yeah. <laughs> he was three? <laughs> uh, I got one more news article. Uh, yeah, you wanted to mention a little something it. involving the, uh, the original writer of the uh, new Ultimate Spider-Man. Yeah, and they just had an interview with uh, Chip Zardoski, mm-hmm. who's uh, right now in the middle of Batman, uh, a, Joker a, a Year Joker One. Joker origin story, yeah. Yeah, it's actually not much of an origin story. Not yet. Not yet. Yeah, but, we'll see. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. Uh, but he said, the funny weird secret is I was offered Ultimate Spider-Man. A couple reasons why I didn't take it. One, I was doing Batman, but two, because the whole idea that was pitched... I got to read all the Ultimate Universe stuff that Hickman had already written, oh. and he had the plan for other books and stuff. I just read and was like, 
oh, this is so Hickman, Hickman should be writing this. Huh. Pointing out that Hickman had never written Spider-Man, Zdarsky admitted, selfishly, I wanted to write it. I wanted to be that guy. You know, another mm-hmm. book he could work on with Marco. Because they had just got oh, off of Daredevil. Yeah. Great teaming as well. Uh, but he yeah, said, like, was. obviously, but when I was reading that outline, I was just like, it's got to be Hickman. And he said later on, uh, Hickman thanked him for turning it down. Oh. Huh. Yeah. He said months later, he had a call with Hickman, and in that call, Hickman thanked Zardowski for turning mm-hmm. the pitch down because he was having so much fun writing it. And for people that um, are, are trade waiters, thankfully, you won't have to wait too long because Marvel looks like they're doing, instead of the normal six issues that mm-hmm. usually are runs in trades, mm-hmm. they're going to do four four issues mm. so ultimate spider-man's first won't be the first four then ultimate Pan- black panther will i also think be that's four. i think that new trade release schedules is morphed beyond um just marvel because like the yeah. new titan conan series it's is four it issue four, four issue chunks and okay. i think the same thing is going to happen with is it four or five issues with uh uh transformers and oh that's those good might four, those might be four also yeah I was about yeah. to say they, wow. they seem to be changing the trade format so no longer is it going to be six issue arcs kids you'll get three whole stories a year now mm. yeah but usually uh, I think the mm. six issue arc really started becoming big during the Bendis era right when Bendis oh, that was first started. that was definitely Ultimate Spider-Man that's when the six issue yeah chunks that thing started really taking off yeah and because it, it was just a good size to for to collect in a graphic novel yeah so if you're going to write a story arc you know you might as well make it a perfect size for a graphic novel otherwise you got to put two stories in one graphic novel that don't really go together the thing i always find weird about like the trades is like image does it perfectly mm-hmm. usually image when they do their first trade that newest issue is out the same day right like, you can pick up the first six issues in this trade for 9.99 usually and then pick up the seventh issue mm-hmm. but marvel and dc are so far behind. They just released the second volume of Rom V's detective story. Right. So, and I think it's just the size of the company, right? Like Image is smaller, so they can move quicker than Marvel and DC. Okay. Well, you not remember a couple times Marvel and DC released the trade like a week or two weeks before the final issue came out. Really? Yeah, that's actually happened before. Yeah. They spoiled, wow. especially when they, when they had an event that got out of control. Like they would release the trade somehow before the actual issue came out. I can't Weird. think. Of, I can't think of a specific storyline, but right. I remember people being furious. Oh, I would be too. Because DC yeah, contacted. Because DC contacted. No, it was at Marvel. I'm sorry. Yeah. Contacted comic stores and was like begging them, please don't release this book. <laughs> oh wow. Seriously. Yeah. Wow. And hey, back to Ultimate Spider-Man. If you're having Hickman fatigue, no info pages. I was very happy to see that. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, and also, um, if you missed um, number one and don't want to pay the. Kind of higher prices right now. That's yeah, they, they crazy uh, with that. We do have coming in the store tomorrow is the second printing of Ultimate Spider-Man. And then we've already ordered third printings too because apparently wow. the second printing sold out. And so if you miss already... Black Panther, which also yeah. has sold out, that second printing is going to be in March. Right. So I'd say right now if you've not got it yet and you kind of have any want to see it and you've got that FOMO going, go ahead and do Ultimate X-Men. So what's FOMO mean again? Fear it's of missing out. The fear of missing you out. You try to stump me. Are you just making sure you're using such big words, Ron? I just want to make sure you know what you're talking about. I, you know, I'm actually leery of Ultimate X-Men. Okay. Ooh, why is that? Pietro Loco, it's like I go to Demon Days, and that was not the most coherent story. And right. to be honest with you, the X-Men franchise as a whole has suffered, in my opinion. When you say, you know, Hickman had to write it, I'm like, yeah, that was the problem with X-Men. He probably should have just written most of that, too. And I think you would have a completely different situation right now. But for some reason, the Pete, now this is just me talking. Mm-hmm. At the yeah. same time, if you've 
pre-ordered this comic, please come pick it up at the Comics Exchange. Don't blame Fred. <laughs> yes. But uh, I, I, for some reason, I'm a little a little leery right now See, of think, the Peach Momoko Ultimate Sp- X-Men. I think it's going to do well. Her, her covers do really well here, right? They do. We have a lot of people who will buy just for the cover if she does the cover. And, and she's kind of that safe bridging between traditional Western comics mm-hmm. and manga. Yeah, yeah. So some people there, there could be, because English isn't her first language, so no. there might be some type of a language uh, barrier there for yeah. a lot of people. Yeah. But uh, but no, I mean, I think if the storytelling's solid, I'm going to give it a chance, only because I'm a sucker for the Ultimate Universe stuff, and I, I like what-if type stories, I like alternate reality type stories. I'll tell you this, the one reason I'm looking forward to it, mm-hmm. personally, is that I want this to feel dramatically different. Like, yeah. for me, Spider-Man's good, Black Panther's good, but they feel like slight remixes of what's already gone on, mm-hmm. whereas what I've seen preview-wise from her Ultimate X-Men, not even remotely the same thing. It feels dramatically different. Just a different. departure, right? Just yeah, a, and that, yeah. that's kind of what I would be interested in myself. I want the Ultimate Universe to feel a lot, a lot different than the Marvel Universe, personally. Take yeah. chances that you didn't take in the movie. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I'm glad that Marvel Marvel will do that, to take, take chances with regular stuff, too, because there's mm-hmm. a lot of people like you that were turned off on the Krakoa age of the X-Men because it's so much different than a traditional X-Men comic. And I think that's what Marvel's probably going to go back to in July. Mm-hmm. But I do respect them for trying something different with the franchises. One thing I will say about the Krakoan age, I, personally I've loved it because they've, they've been taking a lot of chances, but right. the Krakoan age forgot Mr. Stan Lee's golden rule of every comic is somebody's first comic. And I couldn't imagine mm-hmm. just randomly picking up an X-Men title halfway through the Krakoan age. You'd be like, what is happening? Yeah, what a lot is of the Hickman stuff is like that. But it's yeah. a double-edged sword. You know, people. Mm-hmm. some people want more complex storytelling than what we were getting in the 80s, where every issue was a self-contained story. And if something was big, it had it was to be continued. Days of Future Past was two issues. Well, I mean, I let's forget be honest. That. And, and, and so, but let's be fair, the mm-hmm. X-Men... Claremont at the helm, man, that was a sprawling it was a story. Soap opera. Oh, it was fantastic. They were, you could get a, a story in one issue, but it was just an ongoing narrative. But, I think, but that's what made it so popular, yeah. right? When you mm-hmm. say that's mm-hmm. kind of what. This but speaking is. of in the weeds, mm-hmm. until Krakoan Age started, right. the X Men comics have been bad for a minute. So bad. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> and I think a lot of that was because of the whole. Fox owned so Mar- obviously at that Dis- time. So Disney Marvel wanted to bury killed Wolverine X-Men. and just ignored the X Men. Right. Yeah. I think you can actually pinpoint that. Um, I think the X-Men never recovered from Grant Morrison's tenure oh, wow. on the book. Okay. So by, by recovered, you mean like the quality wasn't matched to I mean, it? When, you, or? When, when Morrison left, the people who came on Chuck Austin. Chuck Austin. were not, were not <laughs> even... I mean, there's like A-listers, yeah. B-listers, C-listers, and it just seemed like the X-Men was directionless. I mean, Whedon comes on board Astonishing X when he does Astonishing X Men. The first twelve issues are really popular, and then that them. book just kind of starts languishing yeah. the last mm-hmm. half of yeah. his run. Mm. And again, Fair. by that point, now they're in San Francisco. Now they're on, they're With on the island, and now there's schism, and there's all this stuff, and you're just like, what's going on? It was the worst thing I've ever read of Ed Brubaker. Was what? Oh, his X Men. When he was doing X Men, yeah. I think he's definitely better when he does creator own than work for hire. True, but I'm excited. I, I assume by Free Comic Day is probably when we're going to know more about who the new creative team is for X-Men because its first issue is out in July, so the previews are going to be really soon. So obviously Marvel wants to push X-Men. They have a brand new editor on the books. Yep. They we know the, Gail Simone is writing the Free Comic Day. Gail Simone's nice, doing nice. the new X, next book, and uh, and you know they have movie uh, properties lined up for X-Men. So Yeah, so I think it's going to go back more to like a more traditional X-Book. Yeah. But I'm glad that they... They did this with the the Krakoan thing. They gave, they tried something different. Well, you almost had to because Marvel had killed off so many of the mutants during the uh, the Scarlet Witch House of M, 
Um, and th so Krakoa basically gave them a reset button to like, okay, we can bring back these characters that we didn't want Fox to play with, and we yep. killed them off. So how do we get them back? Hey, Mike, is it sexy time yet? Feels like it's sexy time. Yes, we're gonna. So, what I say, Ryan? Theme. Why are you looking at me like that, dude? <laughs> oh, oh, I'm looking at you. I you know tell. why I'm looking at you? <laughs> I'm so will they, uncomfortable. Bill, our will they want they thing is finally coming to a head. <laughs> we're be. the Ross and Rachel of the comics exchange. You think so? Like the David and Maddie of Moonlighting? We're the Jim and Pam. Jim and Pam. Let's just let's just I'm Jim, Joey, right? Let's just be Joey and Chandler. No, I'm Jim yeah, because I like that. to look at the camera sometimes. <laughs> but yeah, so we're gonna talk talk romance. We're gonna talk romance, the best couples in comics. I think we're gonna narrow it down to our top five at the end. So five. I'm so, five when we say so best couple, when let's we say best three. couples, what are we? What are we? What are exactly? We'll do are top we, four. Okay. Well, there we go. All right. the Mount Rushmore. So what do we talk about when we determine best couples? How, so what, what makes a couple the best couple? The most iconic mm -hmm. comic book couples. Okay. It can be iconic in a way that where sometimes we feel like nowadays it's problematic. Uh -huh. It may be one that we really enjoy that they're no longer together. Okay. Um, Some that we wish were still together. Let's start. That's there. fair. Okay. Start? And let's each let's each do a runner up of let's each say what you feel like the most lethal, the most uh, dangerous coupling is as well. Oh. Okay. And, uh, and then we have okay. a a fun ending to this. A happy ending. Golly, I knew you were going to say that, Ron. <laughs> um, the first one for me is... My mom can't listen to this episode. <laughs> no, you not let your mom go, listen. Obviously, my favorite couple, mm -hmm. uh, Spider-Man and Mary Jane. Yep. Okay. Didn't um, see that coming. And I know there are people that go, well, you know, they, they've told all their stories. We don't need Spider-Man and Mary Jane anymore. Mm -hmm. But I think the sales of Ultimate Spider-Man, number one, mm -hmm. kind of showed that people do <sighs> want Spider-Man sales. Jane. Can, can yeah. I just say one thing, though? Go ahead. Peter Parker traded his beautiful supermodel wife for an old woman who's been on death's door since 1963. Oh, we have to address oh, one makes wheat cakes. We, you you got to talk yeah, about that. Oh, you we know, have to address the, the deal with Mephisto. If you knew me in 2006, uh -huh. I was furious about that. One, Joe Quesada's whole logic was nobody, uh, a Peter Parker who's married isn't interesting. When you're married, you're not interesting anymore. It's like, did Joe Quesada's wife read that? So well, <laughs> let's, give pe let's give people the backstory real quick. So in the storyline, the deal was Aunt May's dying, right? Yeah. And Mephisto goes to Peter and says, I can save Aunt May, but in exchange, we're going to unwind this marriage, and it's going to be like you were never married to MJ, right? And so he, yep. so Sp Peter's got to make the choice. With he, Mary Jane, he makes the choice. Yes. And, and they have to come together and say, okay, what are we going to do? And then they decide to save Aunt May's life. And then Mephisto shows them their kid. Yeah. Well, before, as he's taken it away. Heartbreaking. Rough. Um, yeah. Because Joe Quesada, and this was mm -hmm. like JMS's last issues before his run ended. Right. Joe Quesada's editorial was, we're going to end this marriage. Mm -hmm. Because Joe Quesada felt the marriage, which at that point was in its second decade, um, had ran its course. And it's weird because if you talk to Spider-Man fans, so Fred, on your side... So some Spider-Man fans prefer Peter to be the Eternal Bachelor. Some Spider-Man fans want Peter to have, in Ron's word, the happy ending. Yeah. Um, so where do you come down on that? Do you prefer your your Spider-Man to always be like having money problems Ooh. and romance problems, or do you prefer him to be uh, married to a supermodel and teaching school? I think that I think that at the time when JMS originally got on that book, mm -hmm. he had straightened out a lot of the problems, made the character of Peter Parker relevant again. He was no longer stuck on that endless cycle of the Parker luck. Right. And I think it was a mistake to do what they did mm. um, because the character had grown up and graduated to being a more mature character, and I don't mm. think it was going to hurt anything. 
And at the same time, I just want to be on the record. If I'd been Peter Parker, I would have held that pillow down over Aunt May's head right in front of Mephisto. Oh, I'd have been like, I got the recipe for wheat cakes on this on this post-it note. I'm good. Aunt May is a supermodel. You understand. Um, oh, man. But, uh, but yeah, that's the whole thing. It's like if they wanted to put the secret identity back in the bottle, mm-hmm. there's so many ways they could do it. I mean, it was just done in, in Superman. It would happen in Daredevil. Right. You can put the secret identity back in the bottle right. without... Just completely next, but Casada's whole reasoning mm-hmm. of married—it's just not. It's can just, just not fun thing, and exciting. Superman, Daredevil. Can we just in any contract bend his signs anymore? No, you cannot expose <laughs> the character's identity because yeah. you do that and run off. Yeah, right? yeah, that totally yeah. Is. That's um, very true. And and by the way, like um, uh, but like I know, like right now you see Ultimate mm-hmm. Spider-Man how well it's doing, and I think it's because a lot of people. Grew up with Peter Parker, let so me, it's frustrating me, when you see him basically in mm-hmm. Arrested Development, where he doesn't. I know a lot of people who haven't picked up a Spider-Man comic in fifteen years bought mm-hmm. Ultimate Spider-Man right. just right, because right. they saw Peter and Mary Jane. And let's throw that in there. Mm-hmm. I mean, the current Amazing Spider-Man run has its level of frustration because here we are now. Now Mary Jane is with some other dude and Paul. Mm-hmm. Paul. I like the way your Paul. face, like when you said it, you're just like, yeah. But I'm just, but I'm just saying, it's like, come on, it, it's okay to let a character grow up a little bit. Yeah. You know, really, to me, Miles Morales is the ultimate have your cake and eat it too. You can have Peter be older and have Miles be the younger teenage Spider-Man. Yeah, which seems to be what they're going to do in that upcoming book in March. Ah, oh, yes, which Spider-Man. is the Spider-Man, mm-hmm. where it's going to be Peter mentoring him. Right. That's the way you do it. Just let Peter well, grow. And let me ask you this, Ron, being. The, the third biggest Spider-Man fan here at the table. Mm-hmm. What what do you... Who's <laughs> wearing a Spider-Man shirt right now? <laughs> so, because I've heard this argument before from a lot of people, and Fred probably has too, and Mike probably has too. Do you believe that, is it possible, maybe, that Gwen Stacy was Spider-Man's true love? Oh. I think everybody forgets old Gwen. Because everybody... So, because you could make an argument that if not, but for Spider-Man 121, Amazing 121, he's still with Gwen, right? In Mexico... He's still with Gwen, right? Yeah, nobody's yeah, so, gonna get that reference. But hold, uh, hold, hold, hold on, let me let me quantify something here, though. Yeah. Reality check. Yeah. Gwen mm-hmm. was considered a boring vanilla character, but because here's the thing: you go back and you read something like uh, Jeff Loeb and the late Tim Sale's Spider-Man Blue, which great. If that oh, if right, that's right. not something that will make mm-hmm. you weep, yeah. I don't Spider-Man. know what will. Uh, that's one of the greatest uh, yep. Spider-Man stories ever told. It is, mm-hmm. yeah. but. It's the romanticized version of Gwen is why we all feel that way now. Mm. I mean, let's be honest. Go back and read some of those old stories. It's not that she's a bad character, but she was the safe character. She's the the police captain's daughter, the good girl. Mm-hmm. MJ was the, the redhead, kind of the troublemaker, kind of the... You know, I remember Gwen would just get mad at Peter, and it, it was so kind of even annoying because it's like, oh, Peter, you didn't do this, and oh, right. Why are you dancing again, Gwen? Because you always just see her dancing. But you know, um, MJ was that one. She had a switchblade in her back pocket. But, but like, you weren't cool. sure. You know, MJ was kind of like, this girl might be trouble. But how long into after Gwen uh, mm-hmm. dies does Peter and MJ get together? At the end of issue 121, because he's sitting there and he makes the comment. Oh, really? That- he, he makes the comment. It's like, go ahead and get out of here, Mary Jane. I don't need you to sit here and feel sorry for us because... And she's, and it's one of the most beautiful panels you've ever mm-hmm. seen. Mm-hmm. She's about to walk out the door, and then she just pushes it closed, and she goes to comfort Peter. And that's mm-hmm. when you know that there's going to be hope right. yeah. for, for Peter, Peter Parker. Yeah, yeah. And nice. I think if nice. Peter and Mary Jane were not married, 
Maybe 122. Craven's last hunt would not mm. have been as impactful. Mm, true, the scene where true. Peter right. finally escapes from being buried alive, and right. the first thing he wants is to hold her. Yeah. Another good example powerful. of uh, Peter being an adult and being in a very yeah. popular storyline. Nope. Yeah. He, I, I got the wedding issue in the 80s. I was around yeah. for that. But what I don't remember, was there a public outcry? People were like, well, Gwen Stacy's his real girlfriend. No, Who's this Mary Jane Harlan coming in here? I was so happy point. to see him. Because I, I remember... You get those. You get a real cool kind of build up to the to the annual where mm-hmm. they got married. Yeah, where um, Mary Jane has to go deal with um, issues in her past, and that's another thing though. It was it was a rewarding story because we saw the the part of being a young couple and the fights and the conflicts and how the relationship mm-hmm. matures and how it grows over the entire run of Spider Man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so it was such a cheap, and I hate to put it this way, it felt like a cheap attention you know headline trying to grab moment right. when casada unraveled all of that and i mean all mm, the good right, things casada right. did during his tenure as editor-in-chief at marvel i mean that's always going to be the albatross hung around his neck i think right. yeah so i think there's two things either one this run of amazing right now is just a big troll on me and by the end of it <laughs> paul will be going in spider-man peter parker and mary we'll jane back. back together yeah. are two the sales of Ultimate Spider-Man and maybe a Spider-Man 4 where Peter and MJ get back together mm-hmm. is going to push them to do something because the wedding the original time happened because the, the the paper strip was going to marry them, right? And the comics had to quickly do that. That I'm not sure about. Uh, it's possible, though, but usually the comics don't really care what the strip does as far as the newspaper. It's just like with Lois and Clark. The only time Didn't I they remember... get married in, real, in the comics because they got married on the TV show? No, they made the, They were going to get married originally in Superman 75, mm-hmm. and but the adventures of Lois and Clark had started on ABC, and so Time Warner comes to DC and goes, no, you're not getting married. Oh. And that's when Jerry Ordway says Ooh. the great words, why don't we just kill him? <laughs> and leads to the death oh, of uh, and there you go that's where that all came out of because they had been planning and they had all mapped out and then at that uh writer's uh session they got told right. they couldn't do it so if we are talking about the dc equivalent of super spider-man uh mary jane it would be superman lois right superman oh, and lois yes. is the longest running comic book mm-hmm. um, let's not i mean let's be honest Phantom's been keeping it real for years. Flash Gordon and Dale Arden. Leaf so Hawk. that's we're gonna leave. We're gonna back off of that. We're yeah. gonna stick in mainly comics. Just gonna stick with it. Yeah. But Superman and Lois since mm-hmm. Action Comics number one. Now that man, you talk about a relationship that's had some ups and downs. It has. Yeah. It's been through uh, what, different decades and different trials and tribulations. Uh, Lois has been turned into a uh, a witch. A witch. Yep. Um, you know, Superman's uh, had several flings with Lori Lamaris and. Um, but you, I mean, but the thing about that, though, Lana Lang, you, you got to be honest though. Imagine if Spider-Man had come out in 1938. Mm-hmm. I mean, you would have saw Spider-Man kind of go through that same, that same kind of thing back and forth because, um, you know, in the for, in the 50s and 60s when children were the primary purchasers of Superman comics, it's right. like you, now we want to see Lois and Superman kiss. So Superman <laughs> was pulling mean tricks on Lois. But I still think there he was, was a lot of abusive theory in that. I time. think there was a there lot was, of couple. I think there was a lot of couples therapy in the seventies. You know, Lois read Miss Magazine and went, "You, me, we're going to talk to somebody." And he's right. not good friends with Jimmy Olsen back then either. Like, there's basically a website you can go to that just shows the covers of where Superman is a jerk to Jimmy Olsen. But Jimmy's yeah. a ginger, an orphan, and he had it coming. <laughs> I mean, let's just oh, whoa, that's another episode. But it's yeah. like it's like it's like words in your superhero things you don't want to see happen. Yeah. Um, and I think the reason why Superman and Lois works so mm-hmm. well as with Peter and Mary Jane is she's not just a damsel in distress. No. Right. No. She, she was an instigator of stories. She pushes. 
I think is because I'm a pretty big Superman fan, mm-hmm. uh, especially uh, I'll say this, especially in the John Byrne era. This is going to be the only time John Byrne gets any credit. Okay. Because mainly later we're going to talk about how he destroyed most relationships in comics <laughs> that he could get his hands on. But um, especially in the Byrne era, you really get to see the contrast between Lois and Clark and that mm-hmm. push pull between them and how each of them in a like in a really truly healthy relationship, mm-hmm. um, they make each other better. Yeah. And that's that's the thing about it. There's a great issue of Superman it takes place in Action Comics. He goes to fight this God War in another in another dimension where time passes differently, and he's there with Wonder Woman, and he's there for like I think a thousand or ten thousand years. And there comes these times they kind of you know they show Lois going about her day while he's mm-hmm. in this other timeline fighting. And uh, there's these times when you see that years and decades and centuries have passed and, and Wonder Woman's trying to comfort him because there's always been some kind of attraction between those two characters, Action Comics 600. Um, and he, he sexy. even after 10,000 years or something like that, he can't even remember Lois's name. Mm. He remembers Lois. Mm. And when he comes back, the first thing he does is he scoops her up in his arms and he gives her the most, this most passionate kiss and she's like, what was that for? And he's like, you have no idea how much I've missed you. Mm, nice. And it's like, you read something like that, and you're it's like, heavy. boom, right yeah. there, in the, right there in, the, in the chest. So Ryan's vote was for Spider-Man and Mary Jane. Who's mm-hmm. claiming Lois and Superman? That was Bill. I'll take, yeah, I'll take yeah, it. I'll take it. Sure. All right. So did, um, did Lois, was Lois written in the comics the way she was before or after Margot Kidder? She was always movies. spicy, except for in, except for in the fifties and sixties. That I mean, I, that was that silver age kind of. Right. She reflected that. Okay. She was more like Lois Lane, girl reporter, instead of Lois Lane, uh, Pulitzer woman. Prize winner. I'm gonna yeah. go. Can I go next? Please do. Please do. 1961 mm-hmm. Marvel Comics. Mm-hmm. Reed Richards, Sue Storm. There Pretty much is. the the mother and father of the Marvel universe, and the only solid relationship. That's actually lasted. So, hey, Joe Casada, guess what? Married couples can work. Yeah, uh, Submariner for a little while had his jealous eyes. That was romantic. That was that was jealous romantic. Eyes. That was romantic tension. And let's be honest, yeah. you know, he pretty much just runs around in a speedo and he works out all the time because he swims. Yeah. Yeah. He's so, a swimmer. He's got he's a swimmer's got a, he's got a, he's got a swimmer's physique. Yeah. That yeah. trunks, those trunks aren't leaving anything to the imagination. And he's got those rock eyebrows, you know, <laughs> that kind of. You know, Invisible Woman probably snuck in that dress room a few times. To look. <laughs> it's, it's... I'm just, I'm just gonna say this though. Reed can stretch and expand any part of his body. Right. It's hard to compete with that. He thought about that, but he's like, my mom is not listening to this episode. <laughs> She's already tuned uh, out. No, no, we're, 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 we've already passed that hurdle, man. So would we say that Reed and Sue are the most, shall we say, normal couple in comics? As close as you can come, because the funniest thing to me is the two most rock-solid relationships. Mm-hmm. Again, John Byrne, you monster. Mm-hmm. Um, Mike, what do you think? For, for me, I've kind of got a tie, but I'm going to go with one couple because of longevity. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Dick Grayson and uh, Barbara Gordon. Oh. Oh, um, Nightwing and yeah. uh, Oracle. Ah. Flashback. Got to disagree with you. Oh, oh go I've got this steel chair. You better no. be careful. And Dick Grayson, there's somebody who has slept with a lot of women in the DC universe. <laughs> okay, but, 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 okay, so here, here's my only problem with that. All right. And this is all going to go back to being a kid who read the New Teen Titans okay. in the 80s. Uh, I see where you're going. Is you had the Dick Grayson Starfire, Starfire. storyline mm-hmm. that went on for over a decade. Right. We watched those characters ah, grow long? up together and fall in love and it just made sense now i'm not going to lie to you and say that barbara gordon doesn't make more sense yeah mm. but it's just it's kind of hard to sit there and go oh he works so well with both characters maybe he could move to utah 
<laughs> and become a polygamist. I don't know. Well, hey, it, Jonathan Hickman solved that issue with um, Logan. Uh, we're uh, going to go there in a minute. It's going to get dark. Uh, all right. But because, because yeah, even in Kingdom Come, right? Him and Starfire have a child, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, I mean, when Alex, when Alex Ross and Mark Wade sat down and did Kingdom Come, the future I mean, of the DC universe. Nightstar. They put. They have Nightstar, who's the daughter of uh, Nightwing and Starfire. No, I, I acknowledge that, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I can't argue with it. Certainly. Now, I did not read that Starfire run with the Titans in him. So for me, the comics I personally read, I've just always enjoyed. They have just like an innocent, like an exuberant, yep. youthful innocence. Right. It's a pure, right. pure love. Awesome. And speaking nice. of Kingdom Come, yeah, Mark Wade basically did That's a right. sequel to Kingdom Come in the in latest issues of that book. Mm-hmm. Hmm. It's a saw Dan Mora is on the art. Ooh. Oh, Dan Mora has got to be probably the best. Prime, the best mainstream artist right now going on. So unique. Yep. Who was your second? Oh, yeah. Me? Yeah. All right. Round Robin, you get to go first uh, again this You know time. what? I'm going to go with Jesse and Tulip from Preacher. Oh, oh my God. That's a great one. Oh. Wow. Thanks. So Appreciate strong. it. Yeah, I turned um, so much against Cassidy oh, when it was revealed what he did to Don't the you? Did, I mean, literally, he went from being a character that you kind of, and then it's like, I hate you for He was such yeah. a cool oh. vampire, and then all of a sudden, you're like, he did that. But his too. redemption at the very end. <laughs> was fantastic. Fantastic. I tell you, if they wouldn't have redeemed Cassidy, I wouldn't have liked the way that series uh, ended. I would have been so upset with that series because it because didn't feel... Because him and Custer were boys. Because it didn't feel like the Cassidy you had read for like 40 issues, and yeah. all of a sudden, when he turns Tulip out, you're like, my gosh, how evil is <laughs> he this? Drugs guy? her, drugs her, and then, yeah, and yeah, he he is a vampire. Yeah. Just, he is a vampire, but, but yeah, but that's but, and the vampire have, did something evil. Having them have their final fight in front of the Alamo, oh, just it's so it was, perfect. It was a great Dennis. choice, Mike. Oh, thanks, thanks. But yeah, yeah lots yeah. of lots of ups and downs. Very high energy. Uh, mm-hmm. Loved it. What a great couple. I'm gonna go since it's, since we're round robin it. I'm going to go with Wally West and Linda Park. Okay, yeah. You get the Mark Wade run on that book, and you Uh get to see them get closer and closer. Jeff Johns comes in and takes it to another level, and then they really threw a monkey wrench through that relationship. They wrote her out of continuity for a while. I mean, you find out in uh, Rebirth that Uh that's what draws him back, and that's one of the the themes of the entire Wally West-Linda Park storyline is whenever he gets lost in time, Linda is his lightning rod that draws him back. That's allowed him to escape the speed force when he got trapped in it was Mm -hmm. his love for her. Awesome. And so it was, that was a great series to read, especially in the, uh, in the 90s. Yeah, in early two thousands, it was it was it was awesome, and I'm glad to see that that relationship was restored, finally in Rebirth. Right. That's good. That's solid. It is. What you got, Bill? So I'm gonna go with a tragic relationship. Well, not really tragic, but so well, I'm a, I'm gonna name two. I'm gonna cheat a little bit. So Ooh. growing up watching the X Men cartoon, I was heavily influenced by Rogue and Gambit's relationship. Mm. Also, Gambit mm. was one of my favorite X Men characters, and um, the whole uh, the whole concept of I love you, but I can't touch you. Felt very heart-wrenching to me. Yep. And then on the DC side, very similar concept. I'm going to go with Hawkman and Hawkgirl. Oh, yeah. You're talking about people who die and have to, die find, each other and then again. Have to find each other again and fall kind of like up. A, oh, and they always find each other. And they all, almost like the, the episode The Constant on Lost where the, you know Desmond and, and Penny, was, they were like the, each other's constant. And no matter where they get lost in time, they kind of find each other. And so the Hawkman Hawk Girl thing as a kid always kind of affected me. And even though the origin with Hawkman Hawk Girl's gotten kind of twisted and convoluted, yep. I, I've always appreciated the fact that there's that, that underlying undying romance there between the two. So that really is one of the most romantic concepts you can come up with. People when they get reincarnated always find each other because Venditti, of love. Venditti's run on Hawkman 
uh, mm-hmm. really touched on that, and it was really, nice. really good. My next pick, this mm-hmm. is an old school one, which I know they're no longer together, but I wish they would be back together. Okay. Colossus and Shadowcat. Nice. Oh, nice. Um, oh wow. Yeah. Speaking of the Joe Sweden run, yeah. that first issue where Colossus uh, had died from... The legacy, legacy virus. virus. The legacy virus, and he had been basically going for almost a decade, right? But yeah, about a decade. When they had him leave in, in X Men twenty five, and he, the, the, I don't know, they just so uncanny three ninety, they kill him off. It's like the legacy virus thing. Yeah. And then you find out in Astonishing that apparently he's still alive. So there's a great scene. It's Kitty Pride. She's on the spaceship. She's being shot at. She phases uh, where she can't be shot. The bullets go through her, and all of a sudden you hear a ting ting behind her. And standing right behind her is Colossus, Chills. who she thought's yep. been dead for 10 years now, Yeah, right? And Colossus takes off running. He runs through her as she's phased because she's trying to get the guys who are shooting at her. And uh, and when she he runs through her, she just touch, she turns around and she touches her heart. And then she, she keeps Colossus from killing these people. She's like, Peter, don't do it. And Peter reversed to human form. He kneels down on the floor. He hugs her around the waist. And he says, he says, God, he goes, I, please uh, let me be dead. Am I dead? Because... Yeah. This is this is my dream. Am I in heaven? You know, it's oh, it's yeah. just so powerful. It's so touching because he's missed Kitty for ten years. Yep. The, and thinking he's never going to see and, her again. And the, then the second issue, there's this beautiful set of panels where they're on the Blackbird coming mm-hmm. back, and she tells Peter, "We we took your body. We buried you in Russia." And right. he thanks her. Maybe Colossus and Shadowcat will find their way back together. Yeah, I could see it. Um, yeah. Oh, I I want I want that one as a fan. Yeah. My third is a more recent pairing, which I think was willed by the fans, mm-hmm. and that's Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, um, Harley Quinn is one of the ones that was in a very problematic uh-huh. relationship for so long with Joker. Yeah, it wasn't really a very healthy... The way it was written, it wasn't a healthy relationship. No, right? I, it was I, never supposed to be. No. I don't like yeah. the romanticism of that. What was it, the Suicide Squad movie? It just seems like it's just Reed romanticizing Mad- like mental illness. It's just yes. not... Reed doesn't Mad- feel Reed good. Mad Love. Mad Love oh. is the perfect encapsulation. She, her origin, right? That's when she first appears. It's not when she first appears, but it was it was a great story that kind of encapsulates that entire relationship. And if you read that and you can't go, because to me it's like Sid and Nancy. Oh, right? yeah, Everybody's like nice. they were the Sid and Nancy of comics. I'm like that's not a good relationship yeah. to model <laughs> no. anything off. No. I mean, the Birds of Prey movie, they break her and Joker up, right? Yes, yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. And then I think once the Harley Quinn. HBO Max show started, and they started pushing more towards that. Well, that was going on in the comics, though. Was it? Because I thought DC and the comic books had started. It started in the comics. I think people started to ship them because I know Terry Dotson and Mm. Rachel Dotson did all those covers. Right. And they were always together. And it just, I mean, I hate to say it. Let's just be honest here. Poison Ivy was a character that really didn't have a lot of weight to her. She was the Uh character who would show up every so often. Yep. And yeah. I will say the way that it all unfolded, it, it doesn't feel like it's pandering in any way. It feels like just through time in the comics and, and the show, they were organically just kind of came together. It doesn't feel like a mandate. Uh, didn't feel forced. It just feels nice and organic. Yeah. Yeah. My third favorite relationship mm-hmm. in comics is an independent book. It's Phone, Bone, and Rose. Oh. 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 Yeah. I, had, I had a poster of when they meet in the warm spring, in the, in the hot spring. He's standing there in the water looking up at her. And, uh, you know, I maybe I'm a little sentimental about that because that is a comic book that uh, my wife enjoyed as well. It was a, it's a beautiful book. Um, yep. It's kind of a love, it's not a, a love, tra- it kind of in a traditional, it's kind of a one-way love. He yep. loves her and will do anything for her, but she's not like controlling or uses in an abusive way. No. 
Uh, if you have not read Jeff Smith's Bone, you can get a one-volume edition. It was a black-and-white book. There's also color versions of it out there. But and yeah. they're really reasonably priced for how big oh, that book is. But, yeah, yeah. It's 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 one of those books that you should definitely pick up and read. But, yeah, that's my that's my third great relationship that's in com- romance and comics because uh, you kind of can't help but pull for Yeah, pull and I would say if you're out there and you're trying to find a good book for, like, a kid maybe 10 to 12. Uh, I any age. I, I, think, any, I think any kid from Very 8 nice. to 80. Could yeah. enjoy bone. So I guess for my third couple, and I don't know why I'm a sucker for these kind of like tragic unrequited love situations where <laughs> one person can't love the other, but I'm going to pick the android and the witch. I'm going to go with ah. Scarlet Witch and Vision. And uh, part of it's because I, I got sucked into the relationship during uh, WandaVision, the TV show. Yeah, yeah. Um, seeing the domestic bliss of the two. But in the comic book, um, in the comic reality, it was always very tragic because Scarlet Witch wanted children, right? But she loves an android who can never provide the children. So in her mind, she creates this entire world where she and, and Vision are, are happily married, and she has two wonderful kids. They have two wonderful children. And something about that always kind of uh, struck me, you know, as this being a little, even though it's it's happy, it's a little sad also. What a twist ending to that story. Like, but, oh yeah, and it's a great. But yeah. let's just go ahead and say this, and and don't worry, John mm-hmm. Byrne saw that. And went running straight toward that relationship with his relationship. <laughs> right. I look, I love John Byrne, dude. In a weird, in a weird way, yeah. I, you kind of can't help. You got to respect him, but John Byrne hates happiness in comic yeah. books. Right. I do hope in the MCU mm-hmm. that they do like before this is all over, they do a redemption arc for Scarlet Witch, where her yeah. and the Vision get back together. It would be fantastic. Yep. Mikhail. There's been so many choices. Mm-hmm. The, the list is thinning out. Uh, I'm going to go with Green Arrow and Black Canary. Great choice. Solid. Problematic. Yeah. It's uh, problematic, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but realistic. You know, they've yeah. got a lot going on in both their lives. They're both more street-level characters. Uh, they deal with a lot of things in their lives that maybe other superiors don't have to. And uh, I don't know. It just always felt good. There's a lot of back and forth between the two. There's always interesting things going on there. They, they match well. Like Green Arrow and Black Canary. I like it. That's a great choice. Mm-hmm. Pick. Well, we got to decide that out of so, all the ones we oh, pick, okay. the top four let's Couples. go through let's go through the list if he's voted for what oh, you so got them all i got them all okay. yeah. that's right baby ryan you had spider-man and mary jane mm. kitty pride and colossus Ooh. harley and ivy wow mr fred daly has reed richards and sue storm nice wally west and linda park Strong. bone and rose Ooh. mr langford has superman and lois a tie between rogue and gambit and hawkman and hot girl uh, scarlet witch and vision mm-hmm. and me yours truly uh, nightwing and batgirl jesse and tulip and, of course, my last choice, Green Arrow and Black Canary. So the thing about this off the top of my head, mm-hmm. there's two that have to be on here, and then the rest of them you two so can I'm Debatable. I'm assuming you're going with MJ and Spidey. MJ and, and Spidey Superman and, and Superman and Lois. Reed and Sue. I'd, I'd, I'd probably have to go with Reed and Sue also. I'd go with Reed and Sue above mm-hmm. Mary Jane and Spidey. You oh. are sick. <laughs> no, they're, they're, only, they're the only ones that are still together. I mean, longevity-wise, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. In my heart. I and like I said, you could argue, if someone could yeah. make an argument that Gwen is Spider-Man's true love. Do we so. all agree with Reed and Sue as a third? I think they're number one in my book. So. but They're they're an eternal couple. So. Well, we're not ranking one to four. We're yeah, just saying no, the no. four that are on this Mount Rushmore. This is on yes. Mount Rushmore. Yes. Yes. Okay. okay. Even though we all know Washington's number one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what do you guys think? fourth choice. That's so, a tough man, one. So we're down to our last spot, right? Yeah. Gee whiz. Uh, so the romantic in me is going to have to vote Hawkman, Hawkgirl. Hawkman, Hawkgirl is a good choice. Because that, that, that having to find each other every time and reuniting. Um, I mean, Jeff Johns, when he handled that on the Oh, on, John's run was... And his book, it was you would get these great issues. It, yeah. I might go with Bill's other tie choice. So Rogue, Rogue and Gambit's a really strong one. For the 90s, I mm-hmm. mean, that was kind of the... But they didn't... They, I think the thing that's going to rule the months, they had the smaller window. There, Yeah, there has been... Um, 
You could talk me into either of those two for the fourth yeah. choice. I don't think um, there's a bad fourth choice. I like here. Mike's uh, Jesse and Tulip, even mm-hmm. though they're I like not. That, I like that one because it's outside of Marvel. It ties into the real world a little bit. Yeah. As far as real world creature could be. It's a roller coaster. Um, I'm more lean towards that one. And not just because you said Spider-Man is not number one. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not trying to hurt you. I, th- um, I think secretly you want to vote uh, Phone Bone and Rose. but <laughs> Phone Bone, Thugs, and Harmony. <laughs> but the fourth one, that is tricky. Uh, I'll let you guys decide because I'm happy with the top three okay well the hawk man hawk girl is probably more romantic it is i do it like is. that story not the most widely known it's couple. not that's the thing Grant, gambit and rogue are kind of like the you know especially after the cartoon you know the sugar and the mon share and the and they're not being able to touch things not that, being able that, to touch thing really... i don't know now i'm leaning toward rogue and gambit over hawk man and hawk girl mm-hmm. for the fourth mm-hmm. slot why don't we let the fans vote you Ooh. guys, why don't you guys comment on the comment yeah. on I the like page that. and let us know who you think. Give us your own list of your own top four, but help us decide on who top four is. And when the next episode comes out, Ooh. Ryan and Bill can can announce, announce who was the winner. I okay. like that. That's a really cool idea. Speaking of winners, mm-hmm. let's go ahead and announce our winners for, for of Funko the Funko Pops, Pops. Right? Perfect. So we did a drawing, and we have the three. Uh, Bill, give me a number between number between one and twenty six. I'm going to go with um, 25, because that was the X-Men issue where Cyclops and Jean get married. Okay. So our first winner here mm-hmm. is Ron Blackburn. Nice. Mr. Blackburn. And he his first re, his first choice was Sylvie. Okay. Ooh, nice. So he is the proud winner of Sylvie. Um, all you need to do, uh, Ron, is I'll send you a message tonight and just swing by the store. We and, have it for you. Uh, we'll have it for you. Yeah. All right. Give me another number, Bill. Uh, I'm going to let Fred pick this one. Go with 14 in honor of Valentine's Day. Nice. There we go. Okay, and this is Terry Edward Hickman. Oh, yeah, Terry. Um, And he has won the Goblin Queen featuring Little Cable. I love the Little Cable on that. That is so cool. (laughs) I was like, yes. All right, and Mike. I'm going to go with number 18 because it's a legal age of consent on Valentine's Day. (laughs) Sexy. (laughs) Oh, and this is perfect uh, mm-hmm. because this is somebody that wanted the third one we have, which nice. is The Undertaker, uh, Jeff Crumpley. Oh, Jeff. Okay. Crumpley. So, like I said, I'll send a message out to everybody who wins, mm-hmm. uh, and you can swing by whenever you have a chance and pick up the Funko. So, I think they're at the front. They are on the filing cabinet. Yep. So, thank you for playing, and we'll have Absolutely. another contest soon. Yeah. So, uh, back into our couple's theme. Let's, uh, let's do a, a speed round, everybody. Throw out your, your most uh, dysfunctional, the, the couple you don't want together. What, what's a terrible mix of couples? Mary Jane and Paul. <laughs> she just can't uh, be happy without Peter. Paul is also... <laughs> can, can anybody, can anyone be happy without Peter? <laughs> Paul also committed genocide. There is that. Yes. So Mary Jane. One and Paul. little thing, Ryan. <laughs> One little thing. Gosh. He committed genocide. Everybody's got their problems. Mary Jane and Paul hard to argue. All right. Mr. Daly. I'm gonna go with Daredevil and anybody. <laughs> uh, a, you know, you the majority can, are gonna wind up dead. Dead. Yeah. And Bullseye is going to kill them. The man has one goal in life. It's like, <laughs> are you in love? It's like, do you have a crush? Run. I mean, Matt Murdock's barista is in danger. That's just anybody who's near him. Yeah. Bill. So for me, I'm going to pick uh, Batman and Catwoman. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Just because I, I, 
I'm glad they didn't get married. I thought the rationale seemed that Joker presented was 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 valid. You know, if Batman's happily married, then why is he even fooling around being Batman? Mm-hmm. Why isn't he just watching Netflix on the couch with, <laughs> with Catwoman every night? You know, the new season of Naked and what was it, Fred? Naked, Naked and, and Afraid. Naked and Afraid. <laughs> so, uh, so for t- for a, if I'm just picking a couple I don't want to see get together, I think it'd be Batman Catwoman. Mm. A problematic couple for me, mm-hmm. where on the outset it seems highly romantic, but you got to think about how many people have died, how many timelines have been wiped out. I'm going with Mystique and Destiny. That is a <laughs> problem uh, couple. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they, they, they're going to be Sometimes together. you should just say no. Yeah, <laughs> no, they're going to be together at any cost, and that cost is high repeatedly. It's just troublesome it's great for them i guess but for everyone else yeah. no, Honor- thank you honorable mention thanos and death okay. oh, that's fair. Good, yeah. yeah very good very <laughs> problematic good. relationships yes. oh, yeah. i've got a question here that i'm sorry that's been oh. on the minds of every comic book fan and only the four of us can answer it and this is a chance for you guys to get involved out there in podcast land okay. there's one relationship in comics that we have to decide tonight okay mm-hmm. here's the scenario hmm. You're Archie Andrews. Oh, yeah. Uh, Betty or Veronica. Here it comes. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, man. Okay, so... Uh, now, which one was the... the Veronica was the richer one of the don't two, Don't even right? pretend you don't know. Come on, Ryan. You have an Archie Andrews tattoo. <laughs> um, it's a Mr. Witherby. Thank you very much. But uh, So, Veronica was the, was rich, the one. rich one, and uh, Betty was the uh, All-American. Mm-hmm. Veronica was dark-headed. I'm a little sweet on Betty. Okay. I'll be honest, Veronica, a little intimidating for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see that. Yeah, so I'm going Betty. You know, I don't really have much context on this one. Um, I'm just going to go with Veronica. prefer the brunettes over blondes. That's just my, my only vote on that one, so sorry. I kind of like how the uh, the comic left it when, um, so Archie's friend is running for political office, and he's uh, he gets assassinated. The guy tries to assassinate him. What? I don't read Archie comics, Archie, but let me give you the most complicated plot <laughs> I can Archie, find here tonight. Archie jumps in front of the bullet, and he takes the bullet for his friend. And he's laying there on the street, and he's bleeding out, right? Yeah. And uh, Veronica and Betty are standing right over him. And your point of view is you're, you're, you're looking through Archie's eyes, and you're looking up, and you see Betty and Veronica looking down at you. And they're crying. And you look up, and you say, there's something I've always wanted to tell y'all. And what's that? And they go, what is it, Archie? He goes, it was always you. I loved you. Oh. And then he dies. Oh. And you don't know which one he was talking to, if it was Betty or Veronica. Well, but he told, he told one of them. So I'm just saying, if it were me... And I can't pick both. <laughs> yeah. I would probably pick Betty. All right. Okay. Yeah. The weirdest part when uh, Archie died, I remember uh-huh. there was one cover which felt so tacky to me. It's Archie's tombstone, <laughs> and Jughead is sitting at the tombstone eating a hamburger. Eating a hamburger. Yeah, there was. Wow. And he's got oh, like a we malt eat, shake. We all we all grieve in our own ways, we don't Ryan. Eat out of it's like it's like it's like I got a problem with Paul's genocide. I got a problem with Jughead having a burger and a shake. <laughs> don't please tell Jughead grieves. So Come on. so I'm gonna I'm gonna simply answer mm-hmm. this one, uh, and I didn't expect my answer to be this, but when I actually thought about it, okay. In my real life, I married for love. Okay. Well, good. good. In my comic book life, I'm going to marry for money and try to. <laughs> oh, so I'm going to go with Veronica yeah, on this nice. one. Yep. So what we're maybe we need... don't need a prenup. <laughs> no, <laughs> we're good. So now, guys, it's up to you. This mm. is going to be the second time you guys get to vote today. This is wow. since I'm two-time Fred Daly. Oh, there it is. You get to vote twice. <laughs> okay. In this episode, Betty and Veronica for all the marbles mm-hmm. is think? the final. You know who's the answer? Who's the pick? Okay. Betty Veronica Marbles, we're an old timey podcast. <laughs> Later we'll go have an egg cream. I pick cat eyes. That's my favorite marble. Um, so we got a tie right now. Yeah. So, so we've got to divide the, it the up. listeners have to decide. Tie the breaker. Tie breaker. Mm-hmm. We'll put a post up. 
Mm. Books of the Weeks. Books of the Week. I will go first uh, with a 90s AF book. Mm-hmm. Uh, Night Thrasher number one. Night Thrasher. Do you know why he was originally called Night Thrasher? Why? Because he was a skateboarder, and you were thrashing back then in the skateboarding that is 90s. So he was 90s. so radical. He was yeah. gleaming to the, the extreme. Yeah. Gleaming the cube. Gleaming the cube. Amazing. New Warriors. Uh, First appeared in Thor, didn't he? Oh, well, I, think so, I think so. Yeah. Look at really? You. Yep. Yeah, that's your daily lesson. Oh. oh. Uh, for me, I'm, I'm going uh, Transformers number five. No surprise to anybody. I, I adore this book. Everything they've done with it is great. It's got the heart. It's got the soul. It's got the action, the character understanding. It's the best Optimus Prime that's ever been written. I mean, it feels old yet new again. I've, I've spoken a great deal about it on this show, but it does everything right that I'm looking for. Uh, Kill really, Bumblebee. Oh, right off the bat. <laughs> no spoilers. Spoilers, no. Mm. But, uh, yeah, it's, like I said, it, it's everything I'm looking for that I've always wanted from the comic. And Danny mm-hmm. Warren Johnson, of course, his art is just phenomenal. His panel-to-panel storytelling, his action, his movement, um, it's everything. I, I love it. What's old is new again. Transformers number five. What, what? Bill. So I'm going to pick Jason Aaron's new run on action comics. Nice. So it's two months old. There's two issues out so far. I think it's going to be a five- or six-issue run. And it's basically kind of... So if you're a Bizarro fan and you like kind of a sympathetic Bizarro story, it's kind of cool to see Jason Aaron show how strong a, a Bizarro... A, some, a character who is a diametrically the opposite of Superman would actually be. Mm-hmm. And you get to see uh, he throws in a Bizarro Joker. It's just a really cool uh, story. Um, not quite... Not... It's not quite so sympathetic toward Bizarro to where you're like, oh, Bizarro's a good guy, but it kind of does frame him in a different light. Uh, Fred? Uh, I'm going to go with Usagi Ojimbo, Ice and Snow, number five. Awesome. Um, Stan Sakai's Usagi Ojimbo has mm-hmm. been around since the early 80s. Wow. Every issue is like a masterclass on what a comic book should be. Dang. And uh, his art, his storytelling. If you've not ever picked up an Usagi Ojimbo comic, come mm-hmm. pick one up. Have Bill order you in one of the Saga editions. Yeah. You're missing out. Is Stan still writing and drawing? Writing and drawing it uh, and at the top of his game, right? I mean, just there's been no. I mean, he's he, he's gotten older. There's been no decline. No. He's literally just getting sharper. It's like I think you know him and Sergio Aragonés just kind of belong in this nice immortal evergreen terrace of our skills are just getting stronger. And Not better. so fast, Frank Miller. You stay back. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and on the other end of the spectrum, Frank <laughs> Miller catching strays. Yeah. Recommendations. Recommendations. I. You know what? I'll tell you what was awesome. One of the greatest things in pro wrestling I've seen since the Attitude Era in the 90s was this most recent WWE press conference they tied in with the Super Bowl. It was It was exciting. It felt Mm -hmm. unscripted. Uh, People's jaw was on the floor. And I'll tell you what, it was amazing to me because I went to work the next day and people were talking about it. You see people talking about it like water cooler talk. Mm -hmm. It's, It's broken that boundary into mainstream and it's, it's generating a lot of excitement. You know, The Rock comes back. Uh, they kind of botched what they p- thought people were going to respond to with his uh, interactions with Cody. And they sort of course corrected and now turned The Rock heel. And he does not hold back in this press conference. No. It feels visceral. It feels like, oh, my. Like, my jaw was, like, on the floor. The like, oh, my God, Rocky. With, uh, Triple yeah. H. Yeah, he passes by Triple H. And he's they bleep out what he says because he's cussing and it just makes it feel realistic. You're like, oh my Lord, rock. Oh my God. Mm. It's, uh, I, I highly recommend everyone check it out. At least, you know, if, you, if anything, fast forward to the end. It's like the fast, what, like 15 minutes yeah, of it, like something the last like 15 that. Or so. Bump it up to that, if anything, and just check out some of the greatest pro wrestling interactions in decades. Yeah. It, it, it's got me pumped for WrestleMania. Mm, it just felt unscripted and of the yep. moment. I'm going to recommend two books. 
Uh, IDW, uh, they started doing originals about two years ago. Normally, IDW, Transformers, G.I. Joe for a minute. Now they're mainly like Star Trek and Ninja Turtles. Mm-hmm. But they started originals. This first one, you're probably going to wait till the second or third printing start of the trade because this book has uh, become a phenomenon. Mm-hmm. It's um, Beneath the Trees Where Nobody Sees. Oh. Um, so essentially, it's a serial killer book. It uh, follows this, uh, this girl who lives in this small town, and every month... She travels out of town to just murder somebody. She doesn't know some random person, then comes home. Another serial killer shows up and starts murdering in this small town, and now she's got to figure out who it is before they take her down. The big twist is all the characters are animals, and it's drawn like a Richard Scary book. She's a beer. Mm-hmm. Um, the first issue, I think, was an immediate sellout. It was. Uh, eBay's right now got the first printings for over $100. That's crazy. Yep. Wow. The speculation on the book was mm-hmm. huge. It's phenomenal. And my second book is another horror book. Okay. Uh, Scott Snyder's uh, new book called Dungeons. It's, but it's really, really good. It's three issues in. I think that one's easier to find. Right. But yeah, IDW is doing some phenomenal stuff right now with their uh, originals. I'm glad they went from uh, everything being licensed to actually doing some creator-owned properties. Mm-hmm. I think Hunger and Dusk is also really good. It is. Bill, we so saved the I'm best I'm going to recommend a little small-budget indie movie called Night Swim. <laughs> no, no, I, but but only see, at halls. In seriousness, <laughs> let me... Uh, but, but do go see Night Swim. But let me... Um, it's making waves. <laughs> it's, 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 <laughs> only at night, though. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I've been rereading 100 Bullets because uh, Azarello, Brian Azarello and Eduardo Riso have a new book coming out called Blood Brothers Mother from Distillery Comics, which is a creator-owned uh, collective of artists and writers uh, where they all kind of pitch their own uh, properties. But 100 Bullets, so the premise is is that there's an Agent Graves. He's kind of a, this mysterious government agent. He comes to these people who've been wronged. He says, here's definitive proof of who's wronged you. He gives you incontrovertible uh, proof, and he gives you a, a hundred rounds of untraceable ammunition, hence the title 100 bullets, and a gun that can't ever be traced. And you can get, you're can guaranteed to get away with the crime uh, if you choose. And so he goes to these different people. Some people act on the information and uh, seek revenge. Some people don't. Uh, and after you get about four or five stories into this, you realize that somehow all these people in these stories are interconnected, that there's a reason he's choosing these people. Mm-hmm. At first, you think it's just random people that have been wronged, uh, betrayed, but then later on, you find out there's an overarching story uh, that kind of ties these people and together. Some of the people are really bad people that he's given the choice to get revenge. Yes, especially when you meet this character called Lano. Um, yeah. But yeah, so yeah, if you're looking for something kind of older that's that feels new, uh, I recommend uh, 100 Bullets. Absolutely. What I want to talk about is uh, it's something I'm into right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd like to take my opportunity to say I'd, I'd like for everybody to remember all the people who work in public service, uh, silver service, mm-hmm. um, from our police departments to our fire departments to our emergency responders. Uh, just keep those folks in your in your in your in your thoughts because mm-hmm. of what they deal with on a daily basis. We had a we had a a tragedy locally and mm-hmm. it's yeah, kind of just yeah. put that back on my in the my forefront and i just want to say you know let's just let's just take a minute to remember those folks and uh it kind of reminds you that there are real world superheroes out there right that yeah, are that are yeah. actually yeah doing doing good every day and, and sometimes and sometimes they don't get to come home right no. mm-hmm. can you imagine like choosing mm-hmm. that for your profession i'm glad that there are people that are called to that yes. Um, yes. because we definitely uh we're, we're better for because those you people. never know if you're coming home that day it's like no. a soldier yeah, yeah, and then imagine the the loved ones, you know, at home, and every night you're you're wondering, is this is going to be the night? Am I going to get a phone call and knock on the door? You know, it's 
So yeah, no, it's a, it's a good recommendation, Fred. Respectable for yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. But one thing I did notice, mm-hmm. like this last week when that officer unfortunately perished, my Facebook, regardless of political affiliation, mm-hmm. people were mourning this man. Mm-hmm. And that's the way Unusual these be. days, yeah. 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 It's sad that it takes tragedy to unite us. It does, it yeah. Does. It Thankfully, does. they finally caught the scumbag. It's today, right? Yeah. As we're recording this, they finally caught him. They so did. They did. Good, good job, yeah. Yeah. Uh, however, this mm-hmm. episode has not been about tragedy. This episode has been about love. L-O-V-E. It's been a romantic episode. I'm not going to spell that. It's been a sexy episode. <laughs> it's been an awkward episode. And Mom, if you do listen to this episode, episode I'm going to blame most of it on Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> but however, this episode has to come to a close, oh. and that time is now. I'm yours truly, Mike D. I'm Ryan. And I'm Bill. And I'm Fred, and I think I get to come back on the next major holiday. Yes, the holiday hooligan, Fred Daly. Free comic book day. Free comic book day. See you guys later. Bye. Bye. Everybody be good. (laughs)